On this week's episode of Bet the Process, Rufus does a lot of math trying to explain to you when to buy points, when not to buy points. Spoiler alert, pretty much don't buy points. And then we talk a little bit about machine learning, intelligent automation, probably lose most of our listeners through that segment. And if you somehow make it through all that, we actually give a lot of pick, which is pretty cool and have a good conversation about the college football rankings. And with that, let's start the process. Bet the process. Bet, 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 bet the process. Welcome to the podcast. Bet the process. It's not that typical cookie cutter nonsense. If you came just for picks, you're in the wrong place. Find a talent with the narrative to make a strong case. Instead of blindly assuming a team must be tanking, we're looking for the edge of Massey Peabody rankings. Crunching all the numbers in a simulated system that break down the data analytically driven. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. Welcome to the New Orleans Big Easy edition of the Bet the Process podcast where I am sitting in a hotel room in New Orleans and Rufus has already gotten me going because he's in half an hour late for our recording, um, which he claims is not his fault because, well, is it ignorance or incompetence? I'd rather that than incompetence than, than you actually saying like you don't really give a shit about my time and showing up late. No, I, I read 3.30. It was 3. So we're already bickering like a married couple, as some people have mentioned we have. Um, first thing I wanted to take on was this idea that you got into. I don't know if you saw, but I put up a poll that you're doing quite well in. Um, would you rather be you, Zilbo, or a dog named Rufus? And so is a dog named Rufus a real Twitter handle? I, it should be. If, if it isn't, someone should just go claim that shit right now and, and get it. That person probably, is, probably isn't. Someone just has a ton of mentions and is like, what's going on? That was I'm prompted, just a dog. That tweet was prompted by your little argument with Zilbo about, your, about buying points. So do you want to talk a little bit about that buying points concept? Yeah, we can do that. Um, so buying points, as most of you probably know, sports books put out a spread, but you know, let's say a game is minus seven. If you wanted to get it at minus six and a half, they would let you do that, provided you pay a fee. In most sports books, and that's not a good example because most sports books and NFL games will not let you buy um, off of the seven or the three at the same price. Um, so if Zilbo in this case wanted, I think the line was can, over can start, 48 and a half. Before, before we get into Zilbo, can you just talk generically? That's what I'm doing. I, I'm giving, using Zilbo's as the generic example. Job. You were doing a very good job explaining it, and then you kind of stopped. Uh, One, well, I wanted to hear you talk about like what the typical cost is. And this what is what I was doing. I was saying, if okay. you want to buy over 40, so, so a 48 and a half was the total for this game um, at minus 110. And so if you wanted 48, you could you could pay an extra 10 cents of juice and get it for minus 120 instead of minus 110. So uh, you can mathematically, if, if you know how much each point is worth, the value of each point, how often that game will land exactly on 48 in this specific case, you can price out how much you should be willing to pay to buy that half point. Um, I, in, in this example, I believe it's something like going from minus 110, um, you should be, it's about eight cents. So minus 118 would be the fair price there if, um, which is the equivalent to minus 110. But it's, um, the argument was centered around the fact that um, he thought it was a good idea to do it 
regardless of the probability because irregardless because of um, because of the psychological effect of losing by a half point and the fact that he had had two games in the previous season where buying a half point had uh, been the difference between losing and pushing. Now um, I made a tweet where I said, you should never buy the half, never buy a point or uh, buy a half point in the NFL, which honestly, which is not actually like, like let me read this. Let me read what you wrote. Kids don't buy the half point onto an NFL total and definitely not onto 48 half point. They're worth about five cents. So I hadn't actually done the math. It's, it's closer to eight, but, but I want to make a distinction. It's worth close to eight cents if you're buying from minus 110. So the value from even money um, is going to be less than eight cents. Right. Do Where you, you want to explain that to people? Well, a cent isn't the same. Going from minus 200 to minus 210 is a much smaller move than going from uh, even money to minus 110 in terms of the difference in probability. So um, that's kind of, that is the basic, the basics of the reason right there. Um, but also Spanky, Spanky um, had an interesting conversation with someone about this where he said the break-even probability, I think I forget what it was, like 4.2 something percent um, needs to be the, the push probability to make a buy worth, uh, worth it buying onto a number rather than buying off a number. Buying onto a number you should be more willing to do because you're changing a loss to a push, which means instead of losing like 1.1, you're pushing that rather than going from a push to a win meaning you're going from zero to one. So there's a bigger difference there. That's, that's um, not the most important thing in the world here. But um, if, if you're basing it on a 50% probability of winning the bet, then um, you're going to get a different break-even number, as Spanky did. Whereas I said, you know, if, you, if you're, if you're going to bet this, like let's say you were going to bet 48 and a half at minus 110, what I care about is the equivalent between minus 110 and, um, or 48 and a half minus 110 and 48, you know? Right. Cause that's what I'm comparing. Cause, cause I don't have an option of buying or, or of betting over 48 at even money. I'm sorry, oh. over 48 and a half even money. And so. then, and then isn't, isn't the, you know, isn't the gist of this isn't, isn't the only thing that really matters about this. What, what our friend Ted Knutson kind of said, which is essentially that, they offer, you know, all the sports books are offering these choices to you, but they're offering you're, the value you're getting is choices. You're not actually getting value in doing any of this stuff. The smart sports books. And in my tweet where I said you should never do it, um, that's probably taking it a little bit too far because there are instances where you might have a sports book that is not particularly sharp and allows you to buy a half point on a key number um, and does not charge you as much as they should. So if a book says, I'll let you buy off of any half point for 10 cents. Um, well, you would gladly buy both on and off the three in the NFL for 10 cents because three hits like 9% of the time. And so um, no book, I don't think does that anymore, but there are other examples where uh, the edge, you, you could gain a slight edge if they allow you to buy it, it buy for 10 cents. But those examples are few and far between. And if you think that, um, and, and 48 in this case is not even really a key number in the NFL. And so the, ar- yeah, the argument was that um, I think he said the scores of 31 to 17 and what was it? 27 to 21 were 
the reason he did this. So maybe those scores were more likely in this game. But I made an argument. I, I tweeted later that you, you can quantify the value of, of a half point and, and the value of buying onto or buying a half point in any particular case. It's an entirely quantitative exercise. And someone responded that um, there are other factors that could go into it besides just the push probability. And so that could vary depending on the team. Like, for example, maybe one coach um, is more likely to go for two. Or you have Adam Vinatieri as the kicker, in which case, you know, there's really no key numbers because he misses so many extra points and field goals. So there are certain cases Damn, like that. But you just, you just, he's been bad. But you could terrible. And and you could also say, well, if the if this game is supposed to be a blowout relative to a close game, you might have a situation where you know maybe you're expecting fewer field goals or, or it might change the distribution a little bit. But in general, I think that um, I have, I don't model any of those things out because I think any sort of deviations from you know, just your regular push probability for you know, a total of 48 um, are going to be quite minor. Yeah. I mean, I, and I think that the, the, the TLDR on this, right, is that you're going to have to do some fuzzy math to make, buying points make sense um, unless your sports book is really, really square and is not um, smart enough to actually create the right derivatives off this, the, the real price. Um, and so it's better to just stay away from buying points because unless you really have a great model that is, you know, better than, um, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you have to, you have to have some pretty complicated math and pretty complicated analysis to get yourself to a point where this is valuable. And I don't think the people that are buying points are doing that. Right. And, and in this case, the math is not complicated. It's, it's literally, if you're going for minus, minus 110 is a probability of 52.38%. And right, so if I, you want to convert, we can, we can, I, people, some people, people say that I don't provide enough math. Actually, no, no, but, what, but what I'm saying to you is, I think that, you did a good job with the okay. Good. I know. I know what you're saying. I know you're saying that you would have to find some angle, and, and that's to exactly make it worth were, it. What you were saying, right? You were saying like, there's like the twenty-seven, twenty-one, or these teams go for the, all those things. You were saying to me were the only ways that you were getting in your mind to justify buying points, and, and we know that those analysis are probably largely going to be grounded on um, incomplete or, or not enough data. To be sure. I mean, well, Spanky tweeted that 37, and he always buys onto the 37 and the 41. And the 37 for sure, 41 is a little more marginal right now, I think, um, according to my chart. But, but I mean, so there are, I guess what I'm saying is that like, there are situations where it's marginally worth it if you can buy for 10 cents. But the way to know that is you, you need to have a push probability. And so if, if I was buying, if I was trying to debate whether I want to buy off of, buy from 48 and a half, over 48 and a half to over 48, I would say, okay, 48 and a half, they're offering maybe minus 110. The implied probability of minus 110 is 11 21st, 52.38%. So I divide that by, um, by one minus the push probability because instead of now losing in a case where it hits 48, you're going to push. So, um, so if that push probability, so then you, you get another probability and then you can convert that to a money line and say, okay, minus 110, it should actually, you know, over 48 minus 110, or sorry, over 48 and a half minus 110 should be over 48 minus 118 or something. And so if for people that wanted to know the very basic math of that, there it is. 
So I think we just went from seven listeners to like three after that whole conversation. So hopefully we can get those guys back. I've gotten feedback that people say that like, I don't actually give them anything actionable to like get better at betting. I don't know. Or the maths that I should cover like teasers and like how to actually calculate the value of a tease. We told them something they shouldn't do, which is by points. So maybe. Yeah. But I hope. Yeah. Okay. Can we revisit this um, machine learning take that we had last week that Logan Matthews um, took us to task for? Yeah, I think he had a fair criticism. It is, but it's also, it's more a criticism. I think, I think, I think we fundamentally believe the, the crux of what our take was. And that is that the skill sets around doing data analytics, machine learning, et cetera, um, for many of these somewhat solved problems is not as interesting as um, having more interesting data or like a fresh approach. And maybe he's lumping in the different techniques to do this into a fresh approach. Um, I think what we were trying to say is, you know, and, and we're not saying like, oh, I mean, the thing that I didn't really agree with is like, we're not saying like, oh, these kids with their machine learning models, like, I mean, I ran data science analytics at Twitter, like, obviously, like, I believe in machine learning models, and I believe the power they have in, in doing like, I'm actually like, this is actually one of the things I was going to talk to you, ask you about. Do you know what intelligent automation is? No, I'm not intelligent enough to know. So I'm speaking at the intelligent automation conference in New Orleans, and they asked me to do an interview um, before my speech and they gave me the interview questions and they were really all around intelligent automation. It turns Surprise. out, intel- what's that? I said, that's yeah, a shocker, I, huh? I had to go do some research on intelligent automation and... Wait, I thought they were going to ask you about blackjack. Isn't that what they always ask you about? No, I mean, but even in the world, like intelligent automation is essentially... I mean, it wasn't really funny. So even if it was supposed to be a joke, it wasn't funny. But intelligent automation is interesting because when I was thinking about a lot of what we do in sports um, and sports betting, intelligent automation is a big part of it because essentially at the core, it's allowing computers slash robots to do more menial tasks um, or incorporating data to have um, you know, a more automated process in anything that you do. So the way that lines get set now is a form of intelligent automation. The way that um, you know data is captured in um, um, sports games and like with second spectrum or computer vision or anything like that, that's a form of intelligent automation. And um, even just the way that you we deploy models to bet on sports, I would say that's a form of intelligent automation because we're essentially looking at a bunch of data and automating the process of generating what a bet, a bet should be. So, I think we're down to two listeners now. Okay, we're down to two. No, I, I, I thought it was more interesting. And then what I actually thought was interesting too was intelligent automation in the world of blackjack, as you mentioned, has actually made people um, more, uh, made it harder to count cards. Can you, can you explain to me why that is? Auto shufflers? Very good, Rufus. Ah, Very good. I, zoned looked- out, I zoned out during your little soliloquy, but I think I figured it out anyway. Yeah. Anyways, because auto shufflers, especially continuous shufflers, which weren't necessarily designed to beat card counters, but then the ancillary benefit was that they they did beat card counters. Because the first ones were just shuffle masters where they shuffled six deck shoes. 
And then moving into uh, like continuous shufflers were the ones that really made card counting impossible. Like conti- uh, the the shuffle masters, the auto shufflers, without continuous shuffling was were were still beatable. Are the are the continuous shufflers a hundred percent like? Do the decks still like become a hundred percent random? Is it like the, Is it really really good shuffling? Like, it's or are there any that ha- are there any biases in any of these auto shufflers? Well, the problem is it's just an infinite amount of decks. So each hand is is basically they just they yeah. just throw them back in in. So it doesn't you don't have any sense of like what the amount of it doesn't the, the data doesn't mean anything okay <laughs> okay that's fair so, i was going to say though but on the machine learning topic that machine learning i think is a different people define it differently some people have told me that all i do is machine learning because i'm running you know logistic regressions and all these regression things i do are all forms of machine learning because a machine is running them and that's you know, and so, and I've always thought machine learning was more, um, was more non, I don't want to say non-parametric methods, but like, but more um, AI type stuff where, where you don't actually have a theoretical approach necessarily. You just throw a bunch of, I mean, there's obviously there's, uh, there's like, I, I always thought of machine learning as like random forests and neural nets and things like that. I think that's what it's like largely considered to be, right? I mean, it's, the, the idea of, um, so I think one of the things that you're highlighting is that nobody knows what any of these terms really mean, like machine learning, AI, data science, analytics. They're buzzwords. Everyone sort of lumps them all together and where one ends and the other begins is, is very challenging. You even see this at tech companies. Like I've, I've been interviewing for like head of data science and machine learning type roles at different companies. And every company that I go to, they define it differently. And so I have to kind of ask, like, okay, what's the purview of this role? What, what are they going to kind of own? And depending on, on you know, where it is, it's, it's a totally different thing. Like sometimes, you know, like data science is more of an R&D role than it is like a research role, actually, than it is actually a production role. So it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty interesting. And it's not just limited to sports. I think that generally in, in the world of, of um, data science analytics, people just don't even know the difference between all of those things. No, and I mean, I don't work for a big company, so I I define I can define it how I want because I'm not actually dealing. You know, I don't need to. My definition doesn't have to you know comport with someone else's. But if you had to start a company, Jeff, and you wanted the most like to raise the most money based on use of these words, what would it be? Would it be like artificial? It would have to involve machine learning analytics and some, you know, I feel like we could come up with this using machine learning. I mean, I think AI is the big one because AI encompasses so many things and it's like such a, it's such a, like a sexy term, you know, artificial intelligence. It's just like, and you see it all all, everywhere. Like all the big companies are talking about AI and whatnot. So the AI would be the one that I would probably lead with. We just need a good company name here. So like AI Neural Analytics. I don't know. AI Rufus is a dog's name. I think that's what we call it. If you need okay, analytics in there. Let's talk about the NCAA 538 article, which will be a good lead into college football. Okay. So our friend Seth Byrne tweeted out this um, NCAA 538 article, and essentially what it was was an article from a few years back, right? 2014. Yeah, which which said that the polls essentially this week will be a lot different than the pool polls next week. 
because the polls this week are about entertainment or not the polls, but money the yeah. are, are about entertainment. And next week they're going to be about actual money. And so, the point was that in 2014 you had, um, you had TCU sitting at the number three spot going into the final week of the regular season. Right. Or sorry, going into, well, it was the final week of the regular season for the big 12 because at the time the big 12 did not have a championship game. Um, and, and uh, TCU thoroughly beat Iowa State, yet dropped all the way down from third to sixth, I believe. Got leapfrogged by Ohio State that won 59-3 over Wisconsin. Got leapfrogged by Florida State, who was undefeated but not that great of a team. And Baylor, who had beaten TCU but had been ranked lower the week before. And so the point was that why should we, you know, we shouldn't really be looking at this week's rankings and thinking that they're going to be the same next week. But Jeff, I lost money going off of Seth Burns theory. I lost money to you last year going off that theory. You remember that? Yeah, of course I remember. I remember every dollar I've ever won from you. I actually mm-hmm. don't remember. What was the exact bet? It I think, like, I think it was Oklahoma versus Ohio state. If they both yeah. won, who'd be more likely to make it? Cause Ohio state was ranked higher than Oklahoma going into the week. And I think you gave me like two or three to one odds. I think I, 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 you offered three to one and I said, sure. And then you said, oh, let's do two to one. And I said, okay, fine. Well, do you want to make a similar bet? I, I actually think so from the Seth Byrne theory, we're saying that if, so essentially going into this weekend, there's really like the, the big question mark is Georgia LSU, right? And then, and then if if LSU wins, who gets that fourth spot? And, we're pretty sure it's not going to be Georgia, even though you think there's still a chance that it is. So it's essentially going to be either Oklahoma or Utah, assuming they both win. If, if they, they both, win and Georgia wins. No, Georgia loses, you're saying? Yes. Okay, so, Georgia, so the chalk scenario. Are we talking about the chalk scenario? Yes, the chalk scenario. The, so the ch- favorites all win. That's a one in three likelihood of occurring. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, and, and I have Oklahoma six, before the committee came out with this, I, I made it Oklahoma, 60%, Utah, 39%, Georgia, 1%. Okay. Say that again. Sorry. Utah, Oklahoma, 60%, 30, uh, you, so this is if Utah, 39%, Georgia, 1%. This is all favorites winning. So right. obviously that changes if, you know, Oregon beats Utah, if that's the case, then it's pretty much assured that Oklahoma's the fourth team, right? Can we agree on that? Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking about your numbers and whether I'd want to make, a, make that same bet with you again, that if Utah – because essentially it's the same numbers again. It's like plus 150, right, roughly. You're, you, you're, yeah, but, but you, you also know that my numbers don't account for – I'm not modeling the change in committee ranking. I'm, no, I'm basically okay. doing it – I'm doing it new each week. Right, right, right. But, okay, how, so, about, this? how, about, how about this? Do you really do – how much do you believe in those numbers? Would you bet plus 150 again this year with me on Oklahoma to make it if um, – If both Oklahoma and Utah win? The talk scenario holds up. Um, you know, I'm not sure, actually, and I know that's – I probably should, you know, you're, it's so much quote value, but at the same time, I know that my model didn't account for what the committee, my model thought, like my now cast had Oklahoma slightly ahead of Utah this week. So 
it's going to, if it was wrong there, then it's more likely to be wrong again next we week. Go back to that same, we go back to that same thing, right? Which is like, we don't know how far apart they are right now and the committee's rating. Well, we right? do. The committee said between four and seven, it's extremely close or something like that. They're super well matched or I don't know what it was they said exactly. But what's interesting, I think is, um, I mean, you have all these different permutations that could happen. Like for the most part, everybody thinks it's pretty simple, Right it's a fight over that fourth spot. But what happens if Wisconsin beats Ohio state or if Clemson loses, if Georgia beats LSU, we generally think that the four teams are, are pretty, you know, we're pretty sure what those four teams are, but, but, you know, I think Wisconsin, um, the, the situations involving Wisconsin or um, ones involving Clemson losing or, or what happens if Oklahoma and Utah both lose. I mean, if Oklahoma and Utah both lose and Georgia loses, that's your scenario. And, where, and Georgia loses. That's your scenario where Georgia can. That's where Baylor in, gets right? in, right? Yeah, I think that that's where Georgia has a chance to backdoor in. But in that case, it's still most likely Baylor. So actually, here we go. Uh, scenario where it's Ohio State. Here we go. 3.8% chance at it. So Ohio State, LSU, and Clemson all winning. And then. Oregon and Baylor winning. That fourth spot is 88% Baylor, 11% Georgia, and then Alabama, Oregon, and and Oklahoma are combined for um, less than 1%. But by the way, can we talk about how low Alabama, how far Alabama fell based on having a game that they dominated? Or they dominated? I, I don't want to say dominated, but they 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 were the better team. And Bill Connolly tweeted out that his post-game win expectation for Alabama based on the numbers was like 93% or something like that. It was at least 90%. I'm hmm. just saying, you know, if you just looked at the stats, because Alabama gave up two pick sixes and they missed a short field goal and LSU made a bunch there. Their kicker Carlson made a bunch of really tough kicks, including one that shouldn't have happened on the last play of the first half. And it was, no, I mean, they, the question is why like do you like putting Alabama at 12 like i think the reasoning the reasoning is that Alabama has no wins against top 25 teams um that's probably what they they're going to use to justify just, it i mean with no tua they were definitely looking for an opportunity to move alabama down but look, but they their offense did not miss a beat last week I mean, maybe they missed a half a beat, but but not more than that. They were they were still really explosive on offense. They have the best wide receiver core in the country. Right. Skill positions are overrated, though. On well, the NFL, they are. In college, when you're not. so much when you're so much more skilled than you're yeah than the defensive backs in college, I think that I think that skill positions matter a lot more in college than they do in the NFL. Okay. Well, let's go. So, are we okay? I mean, do you really think Oregon should be ranked a higher than Alabama? Does that make any sense to you? No, but I mean, the funny none thing this, is, none of this makes that much sense to me as it is, right? I mean, the Alabama one—it's it, just—it's just irrelevant, you know. Like because basically Alabama had their chance to to be in this thing, and they're not. Yeah. By the way, my nowcast actually had Alabama at twelve too, and I didn't even publish that because I was like, my nowcast is so wrong. Well, and it was and right. Thing, I should have published the whole thing. My top 12, the only one I would have gotten wrong was flipping Utah and Oklahoma. So, 
but I was like, this doesn't seem right. I was like, there's no way anybody's going to take me seriously if I have Oregon above Alabama. But because the committee looks at stupid stuff like wins versus top 25 teams, but yeah. I like that you're like a tout. So you only want to publish your now cast when it's actually like good or when you think it's good. <laughs> well, I don't want to, I don't want to be an embarrassment. You are a tout. That's basically what I'm saying. I don't even get paid for it. It's, um, I'm, not, I'm doing it all wrong. You are doing it all wrong. I should monetize it. We are doing this whole podcast wrong as we don't get paid for it either. We lose money. We do. Every um, week. Okay. So then we go back to this idea then of, I think the most interesting question is the chalk scenario. So it's, it's basically Utah versus Oklahoma. If those two played on a neutral field, what would you make the line? Utah and Oklahoma? Yeah. Come on. That's a good question. It is a very good question. I have to, so I can't just look at my power ratings, by the way, because I have to um, account for the fact that the team's paces. So I'm doing that right now, plugging them in. I don't know if you can hear the keyboard sound, but that's I can me. Hear it. That means the See, roof is that's, that's like Jeopardy. Do, 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 do. Oklahoma and Utah. Uh, Oklahoma minus 1.2. There you go. There you go. Do we, yeah. I would, I would take, I would say that right now, the way that I feel about this, I would say even, even money on either of them. Yeah, I think it's so if they both win, it, it would be even money on both of them. So I would take either at plus one thirty, and I would not give either at minus one thirty. Notice how big my spread is, my my pricing is. It's like a William Hill type pricing. Very very sharp book there, Jeff. Very sharp book. What's interesting okay. is that Utah actually, I have Utah. Utah's rated higher use it without priors. So the the, cool. the fact that Oklahoma is a little bit higher is because. Priors still matter just a little, even ever so slightly late in the season. Interesting. Utah, yeah, well, Utah would have been about a point favorite if you had no priors involved, but they've, they've vastly exceeded expectations of, of Massey Peabody. So can you give me some, some picks slash what you think the spread should be? Do you like Oklahoma this week? For this week, um, I make the spread 10, minus 10.7. So, so minus eight, you like Oklahoma a little, right? At minus eight, it's, it's, it's yeah. It, sorry? It's close. It's close. I mean, it's – actually, I, I did take a little bit at minus eight. I took a little at minus eight when the market was a little bit higher, though, because you have to have a little bit of respect for the market. And so I'd, I'd be more inclined to take minus eight if the market is at minus nine than I'd be inclined to take minus eight if the market is minus eight. How do you say the market in that case? Sharp books, the majority, like, look, so yeah. You're just getting an off-market number. Well, it's, it's a number where, as you said, like, it's close. And the fact that my number is a little bit off-market sort of boosts that just enough to make to, for me to play it. Okay, what do you make Utah, Oregon? Utah and Oregon, I make the Utes minus 6.4. That's a dead, so that number's dead on. That's, um, that number's dead on. Are we going to be um, Bobcat fans again this week? Bobcat? Cincinnati. Sorry, what is Bearcats? The Bearcats? Yeah. It's like Bobcats. Are we going to be Bobcat Goldblade? Yeah. Like, I was like, the Charlotte Bobcats are now the Hornets yeah. anyway. So. Sorry, sorry. sorry. It's like, I thought I knew all the mascots. Senior moment for me. Well, I'm 46 years old. By the way, I love the story. Um, my friend Zach, I think he told this on Twitter a month ago, where he, for about college basketball limits, uh, it was back at, I think, the Venetian when it was independent. 
think it was a Venetian where he had, he won't like, they told him, uh, for college basketball limits, if he knew the mascots of the teams, he could get $2,000, if not only $1,000 overnight. So that's like, um, but Cincinnati, I make a 10 and a half point favorite or 10 and a half point underdog to Memphis. Wow. So you actually like, well, you don't like them, but you actually show a little bit of value on Memphis this week. Well, if I, if I was forced to choose one side, I would choose Memphis, but I'm not forced to, so I won't. Okay. Well, do you like anything this week then? Um, I liked Miami, Ohio, plus seven points against Central Michigan. What do you make that line? Um, I don't know if it's still seven. I just know it was seven the last I looked. Six and a half. I make the line 3.3. So I still like it at six and a half. Um, And the other game that I like a little bit is uh, UVA. um, What is the line there? UVA is 28. Eh, Do not like it at 28. Um, But was able to get a little 29 and 28 and a half reduced. And I liked that. So I, I make the number 26.3. So that's not a lot of value this week. Oh, the other game, wait, there's one other game um, that we didn't mention, Wisconsin, Ohio state. Right. And um, I, I make that number Ohio state minus 12.6. Well, so you like, you like Wisconsin there. I don't have a position there yet. Though it's it's no, still no. fairly marginal, and I'm kind of, kind of sixteen waiting. and fifteen aren't worth very much. You kind of waiting. I'm kind of waiting, biding my time. You're for sure playing it. Yes, for sure. Right, but but not if we talk about it on this podcast because our seven listeners are gonna go bet it. Um, yep. How about Appalachian State in the Sun Belt Championship and what could be a very fun, entertaining game? Uh, my, minus seven point one five. So, so not nothing there. And then last one I'll ask you about is Boise, Hawaii, because we always get the Hawaii fade. Army's not playing this week, but maybe we can get an advanced line on Army Navy. Man, did you were you on Army? Of course. I was on Army too. Plus I went three to bed. I went I went to basically like I had had a pretty good day on Saturday and then um went to bed knowing that it was probably gonna end up being a break even day because everything was like looked looked like a loser when I went to bed. Like Fresno, Fresno was up what sixteen nothing or whatever, and I I kind of had a feeling they were going to lose. Yeah, I was when I went to bed. Like we'd had a really really good early round of early games and set in the first half of like the three thirty games. I think yeah. we were up like six figures on at that point, and just and then I had um, I had UConn against Temple. They were up seventeen to seven with two minutes left in the first half. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I that plus twenty nine and a half, and they were yeah. Although that's, although we were on Vanderbilt, right? And Vanderbilt I was, was yeah twenty one three, and then miraculously covered. And I was on Vandy the, as well. The actual like the good beat of the day was I had Syracuse in the second half, and that game went to overtime. They needed to win by basically more than a touchdown, and they won by nine in overtime. I remember that I was, I was actually hoping cause you know, I, I was serious. I, I had bought back a little at minus three, um, at a reduced, like I got earlier on, on wake. I still had a massive Syracuse position, but it was like spread out across some numbers. And if Syracuse had won by exactly three, it would have been fantastic for me or sorry, if wake had won by exactly three, but is that like, how often do you see a team win by nine in overtime? I never, that's like, have you, I, I've never seen, seen it. it. I was like, what is this guy doing? Why does he just go down? Why he really he wanted the touchdown. 
So I was, I, I also had Wyoming in the second half in what turned out to be kind of a bad beat because the guy ran like a, a long one back, like broke a long touchdown. Um, so those two kind of flip flop, but I, I had like, you know, kind of was just making sure cause I, we had Syracuse in the game also for what you did. So I just wanted to make sure I won that we had the second half over, which we won as soon as it went to overtime. And then somehow miraculously, we ended up winning all three of those bets. And I was like, that is, that never happens. That's incredible. I had, I had a fantastic day. I, I did very quite well at the second halves and the games overall were looking great, but we went like, we had like a negative $130,000 swing between like the early games. And then like the late games, I went to bed, UCLA was up seven, nothing army was up seven, nothing. And Fresno was up or maybe army was up. I don't know. Army. No army hadn't started. Sorry. But army Fresno was, was up. Army never looked good. Fresno was army was not up. UCLA was up seven, nothing. And Fresno was up like 14 to three or something like that. No, Fresno, and, Fresno was dominating that game in the first half. And then somehow just shit the bed in the second half. Yeah. I just had, yeah. The late games for me, like I just hit a, a, a nice run of losers there, but did you, how was your NFL week? Uh, meh, pretty, pretty, pretty mediocre. Um, I was tailing a certain bearded friend of ours on, um, and some NBA on, on Sunday that didn't work out so well. So, ah, he would, he had been doing quite well. And then his, it all sort of came to a screeching halt on Sunday in the NBA. <laughs> when it rains, of course, he'll kind of laugh about it also. Cause I was texting about it. We were kind of joking about it. Um, but, um, yeah, no, the NFL was pretty meh for us. Um, what we might as well segue into that. I saw that you tweeted out some sort of interesting numbers around uh, probability percentages of the Super Bowl winner coming from the different divisions. Do you want to talk about that? Um, I don't think there's a lot to say. What do you well, do? I mean, you just find- read off your numbers for those people who don't follow you on Twitter, which is at this point it's like fewer and fewer people every day because you're amassing quite a Twitter audience. So I had. Uh, not the divisional races. Oh, the probability of the Super Bowl winner coming out of um, yeah. yeah. So the so AFC North is the is the highest at thirty four percent, followed by NFC South nineteen percent, AFC East seventeen percent, NFC West fifteen percent. Then it drops down quite a lot. AFC West five, NFC North four, um, AFC South three and a half, NFC East two point six percent. So it's a lot of people. Um, I think the, well, the fact that the NFC West is only 15% surprised some because it looks like they're, it looks, I think right now, like New, New Orleans is kind of in the, what's, what do they say? The catbird seat the or driver. something? The no, there, what, there's something with a cat. The catbird. We're an animal friendly podcast. The catbird cat seat. Yeah. yeah. They're, you know, even, um, and I'm probably not as high on San Fran as some people are. I still think they're a very, very good team, but I, I like New Orleans a little more. So uh, that's why I have New Orleans pretty high. Um, but The Ravens are now plus 240 to win the Super Bowl or the NFC champ, or sorry, the NFL championship as uh, we're, we don't, we're not licensed to actually use Super Bowl. So we have to say NFL championship. Well, now for the first time, I have a team with over 50% chance to make the Super Bowl, and that is the Ravens. I have them as 52% to come out of the AFC. 
Well, wow. so, so you like you like some I, Ravens I, plus one eighteen to win the AFC. I think it's a combination. I'm not going to bet that because I already have enough um, Ravens futures. But I think it's a combination of of how well Baltimore's played and how well they played last week, and also New England, um, kind of their offense sputtering. That's a very nice way of saying their offense sucks. <laughs> yeah, it hasn't I been good. But... We definitely were calling, like we had this whole thing on New England early on, and I, I think most people did, so it's not like a, a lot of people were doubtful of them because of who they played. Um, but it, it, this is like the ultimate in the Belich- during the Belichick era, this game against Kansas City is one that his team wins and covers almost all the time. Against Kansas City? No, this this is the game where everyone is now doubting the Patriots. They are oh. coming off of a straight-up loss. They're back home against a team that people believe have a legitimate chance to beat them. They're a small favorite. Historically, this is a spot where New England seems to ver- overperform expectations. Well, isn't that – well, we're, we're back to the Dr. Bob trend, right? Exactly. This is the Dr. Bob trend – that Dr. Drop Bob, but my, and, and to, to the main point is that during the Brady Belichick era, they don't lose a lot of games and they certainly don't lose a lot of games back to back. And they certainly don't lose a lot of games in this spot when everyone's doubting them. That's true. You know what I'm saying? Like uh, this is like a thousand percent narrative based. This is not analytics. This is me talking as a fan of the NFL, but this is the spot where, where everyone's like, huh, New England is not going to be, the Kansas City Chiefs, and they put something together. They smack them in the mouth. They win, and everyone's like, "Shit!" That's why Belichick and Brady are Belichick and Brady. Guess who bet on New England this week? Um, the the entire bet the process podcast staff. Yes, we're on it also. Yes, what'd you get? Minus three, minus one hundred five. Okay, take one, minus two and a half, minus one fourteen. Ooh, yeah, mm. yeah. Player model likes it more than the regular Massey Peabody. Yeah. So that's a spoiler alert that um, we both like the Patriots. Can we both fit? Let's both release the same. Well, actually, it, what's the line now? Minus three. We've done that already, and that hasn't worked out well for us. Oh, we have to diversify, Jeff. Yes. We, have to, we should just give out this, the different sides of the same game. That'd be so great. Maybe I'll just take Kansas City in that game. Um, I am also going to make a, a bet uh, on the, the coin flip because it's available on multiple places in the Super Bowl. And I, I have a strong um, feeling that it's going to be heads. So I'm probably going to be releasing that soon on my um, website. Are you going to buy a point there? I'm going to buy... I don't even know what I would buy. What would I buy there? <laughs> buy the edge. If, if it lands on an edge, if you call it edge, if it lands on the edge, then you win. I'm going to bet on it not landing. I'll, I'll buy the it not landing, that it just stays up in the air and gravity just disappears. In which case, good luck finding a sportsbook to pay you because we'll all be sucked into the stratosphere. And by that, I don't mean the... Well, it's been rebranded now, the strat, but... Really? I've never, I haven't been there in so long. I haven't been there since like it right first when it, when it first opened, they had a very beautiful blackjack game, and I think a bunch of us got kicked out of it. They should have a promotion where they launch, you know, I've always thought, you know, launching people into the stratosphere where they like have some sort of trampoline thing and then padded wall against the stratosphere tower and you can get launched into it and have a shirt that says, I was launched into the stratosphere. People would think you actually were like an astronaut, but in reality, 
you just are part of a lame promotion by a casino you, that I came up you, with. What do you make this Niners Saints line? You must like the Saints, right? I do. I do indeed. Um, I make it with the combination line uh, six point three. Six point three. You and I got it at my. I got some minus three plus one hundred five, some minus two and a half minus one twenty two, and some minus three minus one hundred seven. So, is there any way you know, like the the Niners have performed at a pretty high level compared to the spread for much of the season? Uh, especially like even last week real played a really good game in Baltimore and covered obviously didn't win. Is there, have you ever looked at whether there is any like ability for teams to sort of like not get tired, but almost just like, it seems like they, it seems like the Patriot, the nine, it seems like the Niners are due for a stinker, <laughs> you know, like where they're due. Yeah. They're just like, they don't play very well. Like this is, they're on the road again. Like, is there any work that you've done to look at that to sort of predict the stinker, I guess? That's the, I think that's the, that's the reason trends exist and why people quote them, because people are trying to predict the stinkers. Right. But I think they're inherently pretty hard to predict. I think, you know, if, especially after accounting for injuries and all that stuff, I mean, it's sometimes just teams don't have it or another team has a good game plan and, you, you know, and if, if if we could predict the stinkers, we'd both be living on private islands, huh? Well, so you believe that stinkers exist. You just don't think that you can really reliably predict them. Yeah. I think if you look back, you look back at any almost, well, I don't say every Super Bowl team, but almost every Super Bowl team, and you look through their season and you find a game um, that just, you're like, how did that happen? Like, they lost by 23 to a bad team. Um, those games happen. Even the Patriots last year had games like that. It, it, it happens seemingly to almost every team. It's just, well, but it's if, also we could also say it's just variance, right? And yes, like but, just a bunch of things went went wrong for them and just happened to go all wrong at the same time. But when when we say variance, I think the assumptions we're talking about, like it was bad luck that they lost. No, they yeah. played bad. They played bad on their distribution. They have a distribution of performances, of, of performances and they were yeah. on the worst side. And that it doesn't just it's not luck. It's like it could be game bad game planning. It could be a bad week of practice. It could be a multitude of different factors and partly luck too, but it's, um, it's not just luck. Um, I'm going to take some Redskins plus the 13. Is it up to 13 now? 13 super juice. What so, the hell? Cause I, I have it in my little sheet as 11 and a half, which was updated yesterday, it's not today. Minus 125, And I've seen it minus one twenty some places. Oh. We need to give you a real price here. Thirteen minus one twenty-five is not going to do it. Well, um, minus one twenty. It's, it's minus one. Minus one. I think. Okay. Um, it looks like yeah. Thirteen minus one fifteen at William Hill. Twelve and a half. It. Um, is there a reason nobody's at twelve and a half? There's some, I saw five it, dimes. I saw it I'm just looking at my sheet. Yeah. Do you want the Asian handicap? Now we'll we'll give you. I don't. It doesn't matter to me. What do you want? What kind of tout do you want to be, Jeff? Do you want to be a good tout or a bad tout? I want to be a tout tout. What is a good? A good tout means I want plus thirteen. So no, then you're going to buy the half point, and then you're going to quote your record and say, "Look, I hit sixty percent." Actually, you have to buy a few half points. So buy to plus fourteen and a half, and then just quote your record without any units and say, "I'm sixty percent." Here we go. Um, 
No. So, okay, you, you'll take the Redskins. Um, you, you stole my pick, asshole. The Redskins? Yeah. When we're, we're, we're that was in, a good team. So my, I'm going to take New Orleans as one of my picks since you already introduced it. Right. Figured. And, okay, so those do – is New England – like for the people New that – New England is a pick for both of us. There are people that track our picks, Jeff. Um, yes, I know. So New England's a pick for both of us at minus three. New Orleans is a pick for me at minus three. Let me make sure it's still minus three. Minus two and a half. It was minus two and a half. Yes. Oh man, I have some market resistance, so maybe not yes. But um, do you? Oh, I'm going to take the Chicago Bears at plus three. I love that pick. Yeah, I did too. But then our numbers didn't like it, so whatever. What? What's wrong with your number? Yeah. That's. I'm I'm surprised. I think the Bears should be a small favorite. Yeah, I mean, Dallas. I don't know what the. I haven't looked at the weather too, but I mean another angle, trend, whatever. Um, obviously, cold weather game, a southern team going north. That is something that you know, teams, warm weather teams playing in cold weather do not tend to play as well. What about There's the been uh, academic you, papers written on this? What do you make the Rams Seahawks line? The Rams and the Sea Chickens. I make oh that's okay man we're you know all my picks here oh that's moved um, I I make it Rams minus three yeah we like the Rams there also I got it at plus three and plus two and a half and now it's plus one or yeah. pick that game no market resistance there but I still so here, so I, I still like it I still you know plus one it, it would still be a pick for me. Here's one for you. I've heard people say on Twitter that they won't make a bet at plus one, even if they still see value there because they know there are plus threes available earlier in the week. Stupid, right? So, yes. I mean, vacuum, of course. The question, I mean, I think maybe it's a psychological thing. They don't want to feel like they're getting the shitty end of the line, but was the move due, due to something fundamental or not also? I mean, if it's just due to the sharps or people betting it, then I mean, I do think that there is sometimes if you see a line move based off of no imagery information or anything like that, if you see a line move a few points, there may be sort of a bounce back. I haven't actually, um, Spanky would know this better. Obligatory Spanky mention, check. Um, we did that earlier in the week, earlier in the episode. So well, we've done it twice now. So do we get double the royalties of double two times zero? Yeah. No. So, I mean, I think that what is two times zero? I would, but I would bet that there is some sort of bounce back. I mean, I haven't looked at that that math again. I'll do the math again. Two times zero. Do you know what zero times zero is? Zero. No. Isn't it like undefined or whatever? (laughs) I think zero times zero. No, I don't know. I think you're thinking about two divided by zero. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about imaginary numbers? I don't know. I don't believe they exist. Uh, okay. Um, anything else? Well, zero. My friend thinks that zero is where we're, we, we have it all wrong because there isn't a zero because zero, zero is a placeholder for the absence of something or something. He's so what did, what into did, some sort of metaphysical argument about it. I remember what did zero say to eight. Um, oh, nice belt. Yeah, there you go. Boom. Okay. 
Why is six afraid of seven? That one everyone knows. Um, Okay. Well, I think that's it for this week, unless we have more picks. But wait. So, what are our official picks then, Jeffy? Uh, We have. I have three: New England, the Rams, and um, the Redskins. And you have New England, uh, the Bears, and um, New Orleans. New Orleans. There you go. Okay. Even though I like both the Redskins and the Rams also. Well, you can have those on your official record. I don't Your documented record. I'd rather have a, re- a winning. No, we, we want, we want, we, you know, I have to share the wealth with you. I would rather have a winning documented record than a lot of money. That's clear. Is, but is documented all caps? documented is so funny because it's just like it's not even documented no right? well it's 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 on a, it's in some publication no no one and he no said one, like, like all docu i respect people with documented records include whether that's twitter or any place else and i was like well you can just delete your bad posts from twitter like you could delete your losing plays and then suddenly you have a really great documented record there's two so. people that just get under your skin more than they ever need to one is zilbo and the other is so I don't. So Zilbo doesn't actually get under my skin. I actually like. You just spend a lot of time. I I find honestly he he makes he brings joy to my life. Zilbo brings joy to my life. <laughs> we give him way too much. Way too. Much I think time. he's. I think he is hilarious. And, and when I, it turns I, out I, this I, is a whole never, one huge troll job, it'll be like he he will be like my best friend in the world when I find like if, or I will be like this guy is a god when I find out the whole thing is just him, like just pulling all of our legs i didn't call you an asshole last week i said no no, no. i said you twi- right i said you said being an asshole on twitter no or i didn't being a douchebag on twitter whatever it was yeah well and then josh hermsmeyer or whatever said that i think everyone's an asshole which isn't true i think everyone thinks i'm an asshole which is more true so well, I, I think you wait you don't think everyone's an asshole who do i think is an asshole i don't, I don't think know. you're an asshole i think you you're you're talking about having enough money to retire and your six figure this and you having more, you making more in a year, more in a week than. Okay. Mr. Mr. Speaking at an intelligent automation conference and. Well, who knows if I'm getting paid for it? Who knows if, who knows anything about this? Maybe I'm just hanging out in a hotel room in New Orleans. Cause I feel like it. There's worse places to be. What are you eating tonight? That's the real question. Where? I'm what restaurants have you back. hit up? I'm flying back. To, I literally got in this morning. And I'm flying back tonight. Where did you eat for your one meal? At the hotel, sadly. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. I know. I know the food here is amazing. They obviously aren't paying you enough. Right. Okay. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to Bet the Process. We'll see you next week. Bye. Media coverage of sports gambling is pathetic. The bottom line is watered down. It seems like they don't get it. Puppeteers are put to end just running off a of leaded. 